0: Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, general conditions are beginning to improve slightly, but all of us remain challenged by COVID-19. Despite the fact that the novel coronavirus remains very much among us, I hereby declare today's program a COVID-19 free zone. We're not going to talk about that at all today. First, I'm going to speak briefly about some tactics you can use to manage anger and nip it in the bud before it does harm to you, your relationships, or to those causing you anger. And later in the program, my guest is going to talk about the benefits of physical activity on your overall quality of life at any age, and he should know Dr. Barry Fleet completed his first triathlon at age 68 and continues to compete in triathlons now in his 70s. But first, the subject of anger, and before I get started, credit where credit is due Several of my thoughts and suggestions come from an article by Elizabeth Bernstein in the July 1st, 2020 edition of the Wall Street Journal. And I think we can all agree we're living in a time of great fury, and it isn't just about COVID-19. The strain is spilling over into our personal lives, fomenting hostility with friends within our families, even strangers. And harming not just those who we're angry at, but also our own emotional well-being and that of those around us. And we know that anger at times can be quite beneficial, but uh, here's a commonly known fact: anger increases when anxiety increases. It's an active response response to threat, real or imagined. And as one expert uh, puts it, anger gives us drive motivation and purpose that's the positive aspect of it but the problem internalizing too much anger for too long can be highly destructive especially when it's over an isolated incident that happened in the past or is over something that really isn't that harmful or important to us going forward and especially harmful and unproductive, is anger over something we can do little or nothing about, like something someone said uh, over TV or uh, the speech of a politician, perhaps one from a different state or congressional district that we can't even vote on. And here's the problem with this type of anger. Research has shown that anger can diminish our ability to uh, understand and accept other folks' point of view, which obviously are just as important as our own. Angry people judge others more harshly than they judge themselves, and they share less with others than to have empathy with others' problems, and they don't have that, and it diminishes our ability to think strategically and broadly. Not to mention the harmful effects of sustained anger on ourselves. Anger can add to our stress and anxiety and help fuel strokes, heart attacks, even cancer. So how uh, can you keep anger from consuming you? Well, many folks turn to exercise, meditation, or prayer. And if one or more of these work for you, turn to them whenever anger boils over. A couple of other suggestions, turn off the 24-7 news channels and turn on something fun or inspirational, or maybe uh, no TV at all. A uh, second thought, uh, try spending more time around individuals who build you up, make you feel good, and less around those who tear you and others down. A uh, Fellow anger, uh, angry folks. <laughs> One lady espouses uh, what she calls the hand scream. She covers her mouth with both hands, leans forward, then silently screams while shaking her hips back and forth. It's an attempt to move angry, uh, anger out of her head and into her hips and then goodbye. I haven't the slightest idea if the hand scream will work for you, but you might want to give it a try. And let me leave the subject of anger management by giving you five uh, common anger management tips from experts. These are a little more, perhaps more practical than the hand screen. Uh, Number one, tip number one is pinpoint the source of your anger. There are two types of anger when you think about it. Integral, where you're angry, your anger is directly uh, related to the situation or person at hand, the one you feel angry with. And then there's incidental, when you're provoked by one thing but feel mad and lash out at another. And the classic example of that, of course, is when you kick your dog after your spouse criticizes your behavior. <laughs> And when people correctly idea the source of their anger, then they could think more strategically and cooperatively with others to solve it. Here's tip number two think strategically and long term. Is your anger useful? If not, put it aside. If you decide to use your anger, channel it into something that you can control. The good part of anger, it gives you courage and energy. And if you're angry about your low pay, ask for a raise. If you're angry about a problem in your community, get involved with a cause and contribute what you can to make the situation better. And if you're mad with your spouse or with a friend over uh, something, have that difficult conversation and get the issues out on the table so you can work on them. Here's tip number three, calm your nervous system. What works for you? Go out for a walk, run, or bike ride. Spend time outdoors in nature, maybe just sitting on the porch, and meditate. We've had several prior programs on the benefits of the, of this. We won't try to get into details. Uh, here's a simple one. Close your eyes and pay attention to the sensation of air passing in and out of your nostrils. Believe it or not, research has shown that Breath focused attention lowers activity in that part of the brain that processes fear and anxiety. And here's step number four reduce irritants. Often, people's anger increases when they're physically uncomfortable or in pain. Uh, so, make sure your chair, lighting, or bed is comfortable. And here's one for me, get rid of clutter or anything else in your surroundings that irritates you. I know I have a constant battle with clutter around my office and house. And here's the final one, number five, reframe the story. This one makes so much sense. Approach someone who has made you mad with compassion. Is that person stressed or anxious? Probably over something, um, dealing with a difficult issue, one that has nothing to do with you. For example, is an irritating coworker going through a divorce, or is one of his kids in trouble? And once you accomplish other people's behavior, even if you learn it has something to do with you and something you control, and once you try to understand them, you are less likely to blame others and you can shift your anger to empathy the way that we can get things done in this world for good. And I trust these five suggestions will help you to tame your anger. Always remember, uh, these may be difficult and contentious times for every one of us, but you and only you are in control of how you react to them, and only you and no one else can... uh, help initiate a positive response. You are a CEO of you. Never forget that. And so long as your focus is routinely on the future and you visualize and keep firmly in mind the picture of the joyful, purposeful, and successful person you can be and seek to become and continually Seek to benefit others as well as yourself in win-win resolutions. You will keep anger at bay in its proper place as a motivator to action for the greater good. Now let's move on to the benefits of exercise. Here's an interesting paradox. As the COVID-19 pandemic rages on, a number of folks have become less physically active and some even have put on a few unwanted pounds. It's easy to understand why a lot of gyms are closed or too scary to socially distance. And uh, with so many workplaces closed, recreational teams, sports canceled, and social engagement's limited, it's far too easy to sit on the couch at home in close proximity to the fridge and the pantry, overeating at mealtime and munching on snacks throughout the day. On the other hand, our country has witnessed an amazing increase in bike riding, jogging and recreational walking, outdoor activities that can be accomplished alone or in small groups. And my basement window looks out on a bike trail and it never ceases to amaze me the increased number of walkers, joggers and bike riders compared to last year. So how about you? Have you become more or less active during the pandemic? Are you in better or worse shape now than you were back in February when the pandemic shutdown began? And how about some advice on how to become more active, healthy, and in excellent physical shape, regardless of age and the present shape you're in? And perhaps you've been a confirmed couch potato for the past 10 to 20 years or more, but nothing tells you that you can't begin right now to get in shape, so long as you proceed sensibly and follow the advice of your physician and don't overdo it and have a heart attack your first time out. and Think of the benefits from being active and fit to your physical health, your emotions, your state of mind, and your resistance to disease and help inspire you to transform from couch potato to physically fit, emotionally healthy. I have invited back a prior guest, From our May 25th program, Dr. Barry Fleet, you may recall that Dr. Fleet is a former minister, college professor, practicing psychologist, and author of the inspiring new book, Move Into Your Magnificence. And uh, today we're going to concentrate on Dr. Fleet's amazing transition late in middle age, uh, never before an athlete, Dr. Fleet took up sports in his 60s, competed in his first triathlon at age 68, and celebrated his 70th birthday competing in the Spartan Trifecta at Boston's Fenway Park. And Dr. Fleet is here to inform us what inspired him to get in shape, how he got started both sensibly and safely, and how he ultimately decided to compete successfully in the grueling sport of triathlon. And he'll he'll also relay the personal benefits he has experienced from his new physically active lifestyle. More importantly, he's here to suggest how you and I can improve our physical health and mental well-being and spice up our lives by getting in shape at middle age. And know to benefit from increased physical activity, unlike Barry Fleet, you don't have to become a triathlete or conquer the green monster at Penway Park. Uh, we'll also preview, once again, Dr. Fleet's uh, inspiring book, Move Into Your Magnificence, 101 Invitations to a Life of Passion and Joy. And hello, Dr. Barry Fleet. Welcome back. The middle age can be your
1: best age. It can be. Thanks for having me, Roy. This is great. I really appreciate um, what you are about um, and and great observations about so many more people are walking and jogging and riding bikes and and finding ways of of being active, um, given that the gyms are closed and yeah. um, and the gym the gyms that are open. Um, I I, uh, I haven't had the courage to go to any of the open gyms yet. I just I'd rather be outside and relatively solitary.
0: Yeah, I like that too. With that. To begin, the last time I observed Fenway Park on TV, I didn't see a lake in the outfield. So I presume you left the park for the swimming portion of the uh, Spartan Trifecta.
1: <laughs> well, actually, um, the the so the, the Spartan Trifecta there are actually three different levels of difficulty. There's what's called the the Beast, the Super, and the Sprint.
0: Oh, and
1: uh, and the Fenway. Uh, event was a sprint, oh, and fortunately didn't uh, didn't have water to immerse ourselves in. Oh, um, what we what we did with water was get two big um, jerry cans uh, oh. <laughs> full of water and and carry those up and down one of the ramps oh. <laughs> at Fenway.
0: You didn't have to climb the green monster, though, did you?
1: <laughs> we didn't climb the green monster, but we got to run across the top of it, which was oh, really that'd be, fun.
0: That'd be fun. <laughs> well, it sounds like a great sport, but uh, well, please take us back to the beginning. What event or events in your life first inspired you to not just get in shape, but ultimately become a triathlete?
1: So, a couple of things. Um, one... I guess the primary one is I was in my, my late 60s, um, semi-retired. Life was good, but life was good. That was, that was kind of all there was to it. And, mm. and one day I was uh, scrolling on Facebook, which is not an exercise I would prescribe, and came across an ad for a sprint triathlon. And at Hmm. that point, I didn't even know there was such a thing. All I knew about was the Hawaii Ironman. And I had known about that for a long time and really admired the folks that could do that. I knew that was way beyond anything that I could uh, even contemplate. But when I started doing the research, I found out that there are, uh, like the Spartans, there are three levels of triathlons. There is um, the Ironman, there's the Olympic and there's the sprint. <laughs> there's and
0: the Iron Man, also called the Nutty Man.
1: Yeah.
0: But when I
1: when I looked at the sprint, it's it's about a half a mile of open water swimming. Oh. I and I thought, well, I've got I know how to swim, and I've got a pair of swim trunks. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's a little over a twelve mile bike ride. And I thought, well, I've got a bicycle. Yeah. And it's a five it's a five K trail run and I thought, well I got sneakers. I can I can jog or at least walk at this might be something I could do.
0: Yeah, I, um, I could do those I
1: think if I had to do it's <laughs> Sometimes five so, <on> K <laughs> So I uh, I signed up for it. Um I also had um as I was the, the older I got the heavier I got. Um and and one day Walked my son um my son jokingly, partially, um, said Dad, um you need liposuction with a shop vac. <laughs> which was which was his way of gently pointing out to me that I was carrying around way more weight than I needed to be.
0: No, so really. There was I some <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so there was some incentive to to um lose some weight and get in shape and then i saw this um this ad and uh and i saw that it came with uh, you could also sign up and take courses oh, um for for each of the three legs the, the people yeah. that sponsored the the triathlon also had uh, a swim clinic and a running clinic and a biking clinic That's a good idea you, um, you just and in in retrospect in. I'm really glad that I signed up for those, um, because um, I had my first full-scale panic attack ever in my life during the swim clinic. Yeah, <laughs> um, because I was I was in the water and I was thinking, what in the world am I thinking that I'm doing a competing in a triathlon? Yeah. And
0: sometimes and, when you think about that
1: it's kind yeah, of productive. It it, it literally overwhelms me to the point of panic. The irony is there are two ironies in it. One is um, I was required to wear a, a wetsuit because for insurance purposes and the temperature of the water.
0: Yeah.
1: And when you're when you're wearing a swimming wetsuit, it's like wearing a giant floaty. Oh. And really putting you know combining that with the fact that I was swimming in in the ocean salt water yeah. there is no way you can sink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um which just points out how panic attacks are are often very irrational. Yeah. Um oh. and the other funny part of that is it just so happened that the tide was out and had I thought about it I could have actually stood up <laughs> because the tide was out,
0: yeah, that's not quite so scary when you can stand up
1: <laughs> um but when i uh when I kind of dog paddled my way to where I knew I could stand up yeah. and was was in the in the throes of a terrible panic attack, it had certainly yeah. given me an appreciation for people that that um uh, experience those on a more regular basis, yeah the well, woman many, the woman wedding.
0: No, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I just wondered how much total time elapsed between the start of your exercising and entry into your first triathlon. Um,
1: so I started training for it around the first so about six months. Oh, well, that's pretty impressive. um, so it really wasn't that bad yeah. um i i i I was pretty dedicated. But I probably didn't put in more than an hour or so a day, five days oh. a week.
0: Now, where did you start from? Were you in fairly good shape before the uh, you started exercising, or did you um, have a long way to
1: go? I, I was. I was not in terrible shape. Yeah. But I was certainly not in good shape by any means. I was. I was carrying, oh, probably, twenty or twenty-five extra pounds, and I. Um, had Had not been working out on a regular basis yeah
0: how if at all did you alter your diet and sleep habits once you began your exercise regimen you so I started paying much
1: more attention to eating healthy
0: yeah.
1: um, staying away well i don't didn't stay away. I have too much of a sweet tooth to say I stayed away, but <laughs> i certainly mon I certainly monitored my intake of um, refined sugar products and and also paid attention to um, processed foods and eating eating foods in the most natural state, yeah um, so how well did
0: you do in the triathlon? Do they have like age groups like they do in a lot of these types of events uh and they
1: do they do have age groups and um and i in the first triathlon I did, I happened to be the oldest person there. Oh, that's great! Um, and that allowed me to come in first in my age group
0: because <laughs> I was the only one. First, last, and only.
1: <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yes.
0: Well, so that's but then I guess you are recognized and you joined an association of triathletes or something. I yes, like
1: you, so you have to in order to participate, you have to be a member of the U.S. Triathlon Association.
0: Oh. I and for
1: know. those who might be intimidated by that. You can actually buy a one day pass oh, if you think you're only gonna do one event. Um but I, I went I went full in and, and bought a, with a membership which isn't a it's a very modest investment. Um and and it supports an organization that I admire. When well, do you plan to continue
0: I, I, competing in draft now that you're in your seventies? Is this okay with uh, your primary position?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely it's okay with my primary physician and, and she um she encouraged she encourages it and um, and she admires me for for doing it. Um I really had so I I did I've done some other triathlons and um, actually as a result of the age group, um, finished first in uh of the 70 to 75 age group and as a result of that actually was invited by the US Triathlon Association to try out to represent the United States in the World Championships in Rotterdam that year. Oh, that's great. Um but I really um one of the things about triathlons is it's a very solitary sport. Yeah. You're you're swimming by yourself, you're biking yeah. by yourself, you're running by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And what I um, what I discovered in also doing the Spartan events is that there's much more camaraderie in the Spartan events. Oh, I see. And I really like training with other people, and I like doing the events with other people.
0: Yeah, I ran cross country in high school and college, and I love the camaraderie of being part of a team as opposed to running
1: on your own. Yeah, I, I wrote a blog one day about how much I hate running, <laughs> and and then I'll, one Tuesday night, the the gym that I go to has a trail run, an outside trail run that's anywhere from three to five miles, depending oh. on your stamina and um, and ability level. And I I found myself being really excited that it was Tuesday night. I can go do a trail run. And it struck me, wait a minute, I just wrote a blog about how much I hate running, and now I'm looking forward to going running. What's going on here? And I realized that it, it's about the camaraderie.
0: Yeah, you're expanding um, your horizon,
1: something you thought you'd hate, you might learn to really so, enjoy. <laughs> so I, I don't like running by myself, Yeah. but I like running with other people. Oh, that's great. That is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so um, so tonight's Tuesday, and at five o'clock I'll be at the trailhead, and uh, anywhere from ten to fifteen of us will start out together, but mm. we'll we'll separate into ability groups, and yeah. I call myself the a member of the pack of the turtles. <laughs> um, I kind of bring up the rear, along with some other folks that are not quite as old as I am, but um, are um, in their 60s and above. I see. Well, they always call
0: Mitch McConnell a turtle. I guess he'd join your group.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk a bit about your message. Not everyone is into athletics, certainly not triathlons, but your primary message is that every person, including you and me, has an inner magnificence, regardless of past experience and current circumstances, And over the past 30 years, through motivational speaking, transformative workshops, consulting, and success coaching, you've inspired thousands to discover that magnificence. And back on our May 25th program, and folks can go back and listen to that through our program website, we introduce you to Barry Fleet's brand-new book, Move Into Your Magnificence, 101 Invitations to a Life of Passion and Joy, And Barry's book offers a series of 101 short personal articles and conversations on life, followed by an invitation to action. And uh, Barry Fleet guarantees that if you follow up on his invitations, you'll discover your own path of passion, purpose, and joy. And to close today's program on a high note, uh, Barry, can you cite for us uh, one of your 101 short topics? the message it provides and the invitation to action you include
1: yeah one of my favorite stories is actually about my granddaughter oh. um she was she was 5 at the time and she and her mom were outside waiting for the school bus to come to take her to kindergarten yeah and they were standing there and and Gwen turned to her mom and said mom do you smell that huh. and Christy said, "Well, Gwen, what do you smell?" And she said, "Just an ordinary awesome day." <laughs> I and I and I thought, "What what a wonderful state of mind to be that you're starting to, to a day. Um, you got the full day ahead of you, and you're outside waiting for the bus. Yeah. And as you're breathing, you are consciously aware of an ordinary awesome day." Let's hope and, and pray thought, that a, that, that
0: five-year-old retains that awesome feeling throughout her life. So often it, little kids have it, and then they lose it as they are picked on and, uh, you know, told all our limitations and all the other stuff that goes
1: on. Absolutely, and and you're right. When we are two or three, we know that we are magnificent. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was a study, I think it was the University of Iowa, that showed that two-year-olds, are told no over 400 times a day. And they're given positive affirmations about 12 times a day.
0: Oh, great. <laughs>
1: well, what the, what the average two-year-old is doing is just being the average two-year-old and being yeah. themselves and exploring the world. And when you get scolded for being yourself, you you gradually lose the sense of your magnificence. I mean, so, what you, you was think the invitation
0: about it. you added at the end of your story of your granddaughter? That was
1: so. So, the you invitation. You like <laughs> the invitation is to wake up and go outside and smell the air, yeah. and just know that you are in the in the beginning phases of an ordinary awesome day.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and if you if you go through your day with that mentality, when you go to bed at night, you'll be able to put your head on the pillow and say, "I feel good about being me."
0: Yeah, instead that, of dreading that, what you have to do during the day, look at all the awesome possibilities. I remember in the last time you were on, you mentioned a, a cab driver who had that awesome outlook on who she'd meet and where she'd get to go and that kind of thing rather than just complaining about the traffic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had another another quick incident, if we have time, Um I was in the grocery store, a supermarket, and there was a guy in front of me that had two items. And um, in his hand, he had two $1 bills. And as he was waiting to pay, um, he accidentally dropped one of the dollars. And somebody else in the line thought and pointed it out to him. And he picked it up, and he smiled. He thanked the gentleman who pointed it out. And he turned to me, and he held up the $2 and kind of rubbed them together. And he said, this is all I have. Huh. And wow. I thought, I have never been in a situation where all I had was literally $2 bills to rub together. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what I had to use. That was my budget for the grocery store. Wow. But this guy, had such a pleasant expression on his face. He yeah. profusely thanked the man who pointed out to him. And he was happy to show me that he had $2 to spend. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought, we we so tend to focus on what we don't have yeah. and we make ourselves miserable looking at what we don't have. Um, but this guy with his $2 had all he needed to buy the food he needed for the day and he was happy and content with yeah. that.
0: So many of us sit around and complain about being uh, going through this pandemic and yet when we think about it, if we have enough money to live on and, and we're secure financially and uh, aren't about to lose our jobs or whatever we we should be feel ourselves extremely blessed that uh we well have it's
1: that. It's, a, it's it's a great reminder to me that as i say happiness is an inside job yeah that's for sure it, it's it's based on on how we choose to perceive our situation and the world around us yeah and when we can when we can look at our world and see everything that for which we have to be grateful yeah um uh, when we can look and see our blessings instead of all the things that are wrong and all of the things we don't have, it just makes so much difference in how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about our life,
0: yeah the world can do things we don't like, but you and you alone control what you how you react to it and what you look forward to and and how you approach life and that's such a great message from from your book. Where's the best place to preview and purchase your book, move into your magnificence?
1: So you can you can buy my book any place that books are sold. Um local bookseller, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um they all have access to my book. Um or you can um Get in touch with me at my website, which is www. Um, dot. Dr. D-R, bar yes. fleet. dot com. And you're um, the guy with one R in your Barry. <laughs> I'm the guy with one R. Yes, it looks <laughs> wrong. <laughs> um, and and Roy, I will say that if, if anybody that's listening to this would like to um, reach out to me through my website, I'll be happy to offer a free um, half-hour coaching session um, to help folks, wherever they are, move more into their magnificence.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention that, but glad you did, because that sounds like a great free offer, and I'm sure if we talked for half an hour, I'd probably retain you. (laughs) So that would be a very good idea for people to check that out. Well, in conclusion, you'll discover from Dr. Barry Fleet's book, and his website, that your inner magnificence is not really that different from the Christian concepts of Holy Spirit or God within, that spiritual connection inside every one of us. And yet, although the magnificence is right within, so many of us struggle through life without purpose or direction. And uh, Barry compares those of us unaware to a geode, a small hollow rock unimpressive on the outside, but when cracked open, it reveals fabulously beautiful crystals lining the inside wall. And I highly recommend Barry Fleet's book to help you crack open your rock to reveal all the wonder within, your inner magnificence, and your connection to the ultimate power of the universe, which is comprised of love and creation. And thanks, Dr. Barry Fleet, for returning. And best of success with your book, your coaching, your workshops, and the next triathlon you enter, and I'll be cheering (laughs) from the finish line. (laughs) And thanks to all of you out there for listening and discovering more reasons why middle age can be your best age. Talk with you again next time. Bye for now.